Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. humbly before you, offering to you our lives, our praise, our hearts, our mind, our soul, our strength to you, the one who is worthy, the one who is so, so good. Father, even when life stinks, even when life is hard, even when we gum it up ourselves, even when we we suffer at the hands of others, Father, we still see your goodness. God, when life is great, when when we're on top of the world, when, when our jobs and our lives and our families and everything's running smoothly we see the evidence of your goodness father your faithfulness at all times we see the evidence of your goodness all over our lives so now as we come to scripture would you speak to us would you move in us would you teach us to love better we pray today in the name of jesus amen you can be seated well, let me welcome you as well to Faith Christian. Glad that you are with us today. Glad that you're tuned in on the other side of the camera, making this a part of your weekend. We're thrilled we get to spend this uh, time together as we do every weekend. We do exist here at Faith Christian for one reason, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. And we want to journey with you. If there's some way we can help you take your next step as a follower of Jesus, we would love to, to take that journey with you, to walk alongside you in that journey. Uh, if you go to our website, fccnp.org, on that front page, there's a button that's marked Connect. Let us know how we can walk with you, journey with you uh, in this thing of finding and following Jesus. I want to mention to you a couple things just by way of announcement before we dig in this morning. Um, we are midway through November already. It's hard to believe. Thanksgiving's just less than two weeks away now. And uh, we are making some big plans for some stuff coming up at Christmas. We didn't get to celebrate Christmas together last year because of, well, you know why. Um, and we, we missed it. And so we are going to blow this thing up this year at Christmas. And uh, the first thing that's happening is on December 5th. Uh, we talked about this last week, that Sunday night, that we're bringing back our Christmas craft workshop. Uh, we'll talk more about that uh, in the next couple of weeks. But also, because we didn't get to be together last year at Christmas, um, we're going to decorate for Christmas this year. I mean, we're going to blow it up. And uh, we're going to need some help to do that. And we're going we're gonna to decorate this building for Christmas, the, the, the auditorium, the atrium, some stuff downstairs. We're going to do this next Sunday afternoon so that when you get in here the week, the Sunday morning after Thanksgiving, it's going to be like the, the Buddy the Elf showed up and did all the work. But we need all of you to be the Buddy the Elves. So if you can come help us next Sunday afternoon, beginning around 4, uh, we're going to decorate this place for Christmas and many hands make light, make light work. And we would love to have your help. If you've been looking for a way to kind of roll up your sleeves and dig in and do something as, as far as service around the church, this is a great way to start that, get to know some people as we work together to turn um, our, our facility into uh, our Christmas wonderland to kick off our Christmas stuff. We've got some other things, special things planned for Christmas or in the planning for Christmas. We can't wait to share with you in a couple of weeks. Let me once again say to you, welcome home. That's our theme this fall, and as we move in, the, well, you know what, before we do that, let me just, I need to, just real quick, um, I need to take a selfie, so, oh, I gotta get the phone turned around, I'm really bad at this, hold on, um, it's that button, right, yeah, there it is, all right, hey, smile, yeah, there you go, hey, we, ooh, ooh it's, it's made a light, yeah, selfie, you know what a selfie is, right? You know, a few years ago, you didn't know what a selfie was. No one had ever heard that word. That was just, you know, somebody said, we call it a selfie because no one knows how to spell narcissism. Some of you get that joke because you know the word narcissism. That's right. 
But it's common language now, isn't it? We know what it is to take a selfie, what it means. We mark every moment of our lives with a selfie. In my family, I am the designated selfie taker. And here's why. When our family, all four of us get together and take a selfie, we're in front of the Grand Canyon like we were this summer, or we're in front of some beautiful place, or even at the dinner table, we take a selfie. I'm the designated selfie taker because I got the longest arms. That's why. I'm, and as you can see by what just happened here, I don't really know what I'm doing. And so it always begins with, all right, Dad, take the selfie. No, Dad, the other button. Dad, it's, it's going the wrong way. Dad, you got to, because I don't know what I'm doing because I'm, I'm an old and my kids are young. And so then it's, well, did you get the angle right? Dad, the camera's not right. The filter's not right. You got to get this, change that. Finally, just hit, just, Dad, give me the phone and I will do it. Then that's the way it goes. Of course it's not right. So we set it up all over again and we get the, just the, if you've ever seen a selfie that my family has taken, whether it's on our vacation, our family trips, or just hanging out in town, if you've ever seen a selfie with my wife and my two daughters and me in it, I promise you that is one of about 19,000 pictures we took that moment to get the one perfect selfie. We love to mark the moment in our life with a selfie. Let me ask you a very important question this morning. When somebody takes a picture with you in it, what's the first thing you look at in the picture? It's not the Grand Canyon, is it? It's you. You look at you, don't you? If you don't, you're lying to me in church. I know it is for me. I don't look at my beautiful wife. I don't look at my lovely daughters. I don't look at the beauty behind us in the selfie. I, I, I look at me. Are my eyes closed? Am I sucking in my gut? Am I making a goofy face? Did I hide my double chins? What do I look like in the photo? And then depending on how you look in that selfie, you say either one of two things to the person who took the selfie delete that delete, just don't don't ever delete that don't ever show that to a person delete it let me watch all right delete now go to your recycle thing and make sure it's okay good it's gone or you say "Ooh, send that to me it doesn't matter how anybody else looks but if you look good "Ooh, send that to me i want to post it we live in a selfie world and interestingly enough we we are encouraged to live in a selfie world we live in a time when there is more emphasis on self-image than ever before self-care self-awareness we take selfies of our finances we take selfies of our physical fitness we take selfies of our fashion we take selfies of our emotional uh, fitness our social status our mental health it's easy to become self-consumed just think for a minute about all the things that we're supposed to do to be a successful and thriving person in our world today you got to exercise at least three times a week. You got to eat right. You got to journal. You got to set goals. You got to work hard. You got to build relationships. You've got to always be learning something new. Oh, yeah, and by the way, try to relax. And then after the financial selfie and the emotional selfie and the physical selfie and the nutritional selfie, then <laughs> you people go to church and you get the spiritual selfie, right? And you learn that there's actually, well, there's ten commandments that we're supposed to follow, and there's nine fruits of the Spirit that we're supposed to have, and there's two greatest commandments that Jesus gives us, and there's one golden rule that we're supposed to live by. And then there's all the other stuff that we read about, like going into all the world to preach the gospel, and making sure that you're kind to everybody, and making sure that you give back to others, and oh, oh, by the way, be anxious for nothing, okay, and then there's all the stuff that Christians are supposed to do, or at least that we think we're supposed to do. Like all the Bible studies we get into and the podcasts that we listen to and all the verses of the Bible that we're supposed to memorize and all the plans that we try to complete. And then we constantly focus on how we're supposed to be a better Christian. 
a better follower of Jesus, a better husband, a better spouse, a better child, a better whatever it is. And then we learn that Jesus says, on top of all that, Jesus says, oh, by the way, die to yourself. Does that sound a little strange to anybody else? After all the focus on, on, we, that we put on making ourselves better, Jesus says, oh, by the way, don't think about yourself at all. How in the world are we supposed to do that? How am I supposed to die to myself when I am constantly thinking of myself because I live in a selfie world? You know, when we look at Scripture, we tend to see a lot of things that we are supposed to do. Things that we are supposed to avoid. Things that we are supposed to start doing. And inevitably, when we see these and we hear about these, inevitably, naturally, we personalize those things. And it just gets added to our never-ending to-do list. And when you look at that list of all the things that you're supposed to do, or all the things you're supposed to not do, or all the things you should be doing, when you look at all that stuff with you in mind, because we live in a selfie world, we see all these things are, these are things that you have to do. But when we dig a little deeper into, into the Scriptures, and we begin to realize that, that these verses, what they're actually saying, who they were actually written to, why they were actually written, we begin to discover that this whole thing of the Christian life, this whole thing of, of following Jesus was never meant to be a solo act. It was never meant to be a selfie kind of thing. And take, for instance, just, just a couple of examples. Take, for instance, Jesus' most famous sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. He's seated on this hillside. His disciples are there. There's a crowd of people around him. And in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is where we read this beautiful sermon, this incredible, all these incredible things, the power, most powerful things that Jesus says. And it's in these commandments, in these instructions, in this sermon, that we can begin to unpack Jesus' idea for what life was supposed to be as we live following him. Let me show you a couple examples from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 13, and verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, naturally, when we hear the word you in this, these passages, we immediately think that well, this is a to-do list for me to do that I am the salt of the earth, that I am the light of the world. But when we dig a little bit deeper and we get into the original language and the original context of what was being said and the actual words that were being said, we discover something amazing. The word you in this original language, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, that word you there is plural. Our English word you is not plural. Our English word you is it's you, it's one, you, just you. But in this original language, the, the word for you is plural. It would actually be translated better, you all. Or, as I've, I've used this, uh, this illustration before because this makes so much sense to me because I grew up in the South, this is all y'all. When Jesus says you, what he means is all y'all. All y'all are the light of the world. All y'all are the salt of the earth, which kind of means that that song that you grew up singing when you were a little kid, this little light of mine, is actually should be this little light of ours. It doesn't rhyme, but it makes a lot more sense. How about this one, Matthew 5, 43 and 44? Jesus says, you 
have heard it said that you should hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemy. Now think about that in context. This, this will turn your, turn, your, turn your head upside down for a second. Think about that in context. He's saying, it's, what he's saying is in terms of plural. You all have heard it said, hate your enemy. But I say, Jesus says, all y'all love your enemies. That means we have to do that together. It's not just a, all of you as individuals do this thing, but what if it's, what if it's collectively? What if it's all y'all do this? What if, what if the you here is we? We're supposed to do this together. In other words, what Jesus is saying, not just, not just in this passage, but throughout the Sermon on the Mount and throughout the rest of the New Testament is the idea of, of us being able to heal, for us to be able to grow as we follow Jesus, for us to be able to learn to forgive those who have done us wrong, for us to be able to learn to not judge others, for us to be able to learn how to pray. It's always done better together than on our own. All those verses talk about all of us not just you as an individual the weight of following jesus is not on your shoulders to do all these things on your own this is a collective you this is all y'all and when you look even when you get to, the, to later in the new testament we look through the writings of paul you see he often says things like this you are to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. You are to demonstrate the love of Christ. And all of these are not just an individual task that make us feel guilty if we don't do it or make us feel prideful if we do it. They make us lean into each other and rely on each other so that we are able to do this together. In other words, this whole objective of living this Christian life living a life that follows and honors Jesus, it's not just on your shoulders as an individual. It's an all-y'all kind of thing. Uh, maybe think about your spirituality, your, your life with God. Not like golf. I love to play golf. But golf is an individual sport. You may have a foursome, you may be, maybe there's two of you in a cart, but at the end of the day, you step up to the ball, it's you and the ball. It's an individual sport. You might play in a scramble, you might add your scores together, but it comes down to just you and the golf ball. It's an individual thing. Let's think of our spirituality, our relationship with Jesus, more like the game of basketball. Because basketball requires a team. There's other people involved. And you have a skill that you're good at, and someone else has a different skill that they're good at, and together you make the team better. Together you win the game. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, it's actually a letter that was written uh, in the first century. And this letter is written to a church to encourage them to do this all y'all thing. Listen to a couple of verses from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. He says, so let us, now that's phrase, let us, it shows up over and over and over again throughout the book of Hebrews. It's not just, not just a you and God thing, it's a us and God thing. It's all y'all. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Now obviously the point of this whole passage is on God's mercy and God's, and God's grace, but look at how we get there. We get there together. We get there, all y'all. It's not a solo thing. So let me say it like this. 
kind of my big thought for the day my faith your faith it works better when we're together i think that's something we've all learned over the last 20 months or so isn't it we missed being together at christmas time last year why because our faith worked better together it was hard worshiping only through a screen in your living room now i there's part of it i like because i didn't have to get up really early on sunday morning like i did today but it wasn't the same was it it just wasn't the same why because our faith works better when we are together uh, look at another verse from hebrews this is chapter 12 verse 28 since we again all y'all since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable let us be thankful and please god by worshiping him with holy fear and all let me kind of put this in a, in a practical way in a way that we'll understand there's something that something that happens when we come together like we are right now in corporate worship when we are in the room together we we, we missed this last year here's what happens because you may come into a worship service like we've done today and your faith may be low and you kind of spiritually you're just kind of dragging yourself in here today but because you are around other people and you see their life and you see their faith and you see that their faith is high it will raise your faith by being around someone else that's the way it works you come in here in a day and you may not be in a very sing-songy kind of place today or maybe just in life you're not a very sing-songy person you're not a person who likes to sing in public but you see other people in this room expressing themselves through worship through singing through raising of hands expressing how they feel about god and what it does is it raises your connection to god you may sit there and think well, i'm not sure about this whole god thing i'm not sure i buy in and into any of this but then you hear somebody else's story or you understand what someone else has been through and what god did in their life and what happens for us is it doesn't make us go well that happened for them it could never happen for me no instead it says it makes us believe it could be possible in our own lives in fact listen, listen how jesus says this back back to the sermon on the mount back, back to matthew 5 jesus says in the same way let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father here's what he's saying your faith works better together because when you are living it out together it impacts people's lives people see it when I force myself out of my, my introverted comfort zone to serve others, I find that it not only strengthens my faith, it not only strengthens the faith of people that I'm serving, it strengthens my faith as well. In other words, I am more like Jesus when I am with other people rather than just being alone with Jesus. And do you know why that is? Because the only person I serve when I'm alone is me. The only person that I serve when I show up at church, a church service and say nothing to anybody and bail as soon as the song's over, the only person I serve is me. And it is impossible for us to love others the way that Jesus told us to if we're never around others. Back to Hebrews chapter 10. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. The latest stats that I could find this week, and these are pre-COVID stats, so I don't know what they are now. The, the, the people who study this stuff are still trying to figure out what the world looks like right now. But the pre-COVID stats, the, the best, the most recent I could find, the average church attendance right now in the United States, people who go to church, regular churchgoers, right now is one of three weeks. That, that, that's average. 
Now, that doesn't sound bad when you think about it. Okay, I'm coming to church one or three weeks. That's a little better than once a month. But when you average that out over the course of the year, you do the math, that's like 14 times a year. That's not a lot of opportunities for you to be encouraged and engaged with other people in a way that's connecting you and them with God. By the way, you wouldn't put up with that if it was your kid going to football practice or band rehearsal or volleyball or dance. But when it comes to our greatest investment, the greatest investment we can make with our soul, we often just times assume, you know what, I'm going to pray every now and then, I'll be good. I'll figure this out on my own. But here's the truth. Faith works better when we're together. I think about a story that we read in the New Testament sometimes where uh, Jesus is teaching in somebody's house and there's a huge crowd of people that kind of crammed and packed into the house and Jesus is there, everybody's listening to him. And apparently there was this, this guy who had been paralyzed from his entire life, but he's got some friends that love him and they were trying to get him to Jesus because they, they, they've heard and they believe that Jesus can heal their, their sick friend. And so he's got these friends that pick him up on his little mat that he just sat and begged on every day. And they take him to see Jesus. But when they get to this house where Jesus is inside teaching, they can't get in. The crowd is so thick, and, and they're hanging out the windows and through the door. They can't get into the house because of the crowds. So these guys, they, these friends, they carry this guy up onto the roof of the house. And they tear a hole in the roof of the house, and they lower their friend down on his mat in front of Jesus. And Jesus sees him. And Jesus says, your faith is so strong your sins are forgiven and i'm not sure if jesus is talking to the paralyzed man or to the friends that are still up on the roof their faith because they they brought him there but here's what's interesting after jesus looks at this paralyzed man and says your faith is so strong your sins are forgiven after that someone in the crowd says how in the world, Jesus, do you think that you have the power to forgive somebody's sins? Because they equated any sort of illness, any sort of disability with sin. And Jesus says, okay, you want to know how? I'll show you how I have the power to do that. And looks at the guy on the mat and says, get up and walk. And he heals him. He does the, that's when he does the, the physical miracle that we get excited about. And the guy is healed. And the guy stood up and walked. Now, could that man on the mat, could that man have stayed home and prayed to Jesus and been forgiven of his sins? Well, sure. Absolutely he could have. But he wouldn't have been healed. There's something about being together that brings about something greater than we're when we're just alone. Did you know that you can, you can actually connect with God better together did you know you can actually heal and recover from the most difficult pains in your life better with others did you know that you can actually leave a legacy and develop your family and move beyond the hurts and habits and hang-ups of life better together because we we really is the best way to become me to become all I'm, that God has wired me to be, all that God wants me to be, we is the best way for me to get there. Now, now, of course, there's some things you can only do on your own. 
You can only accept Jesus, only accept Christ on your own. You can only get baptized on your own decision. You have to decide to exercise your spiritual gifts on your own. But most of the things in the Bible, most of these things that we think are so tedious to do as followers of Jesus, most of these things really are things that we do together. Leaving a legacy. Raising great kids, making an impact on the world, making our community a better place to live, doing something that is life-changing, making such a difference to, that, that other people watch and are motivated by it. We do those things together. So let's stop thinking about, well, what's in it for me? Stop thinking like a consumer and start thinking about what's in it for us. What's in it for all y'all? What can we do better together? Father, teach us, remind us, push us to do this thing together. God, this last season of life has been so difficult, so isolating, so even lonely. And Father, as we continue to come out of this season of of the, the globe, the season of the world. Remind us, encourage us to do life together. But that's why you gave us both our families and the family of God, the church, so that we could be the hands and feet of Jesus together, that together we can make up the body of Christ, that together we can impact this community, we can impact one another, we can encourage one another, we can strengthen one another, we can walk with one another 